We are back with the Hubscale podcast, where we dive into the minds of security leaders all around the world. This week, we have Frank Kim, the CISO in residence of Wild Ventures, and really, really looking forward to diving into a lot of topics today. Frank, it's great to have you on. Elliot, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. So I guess for the listeners uh, who don't know Frank Kim, it'd be great if you could give an introduction to yourself. Yeah, sure thing. You know, as you mentioned, I'm the CISO in residence at YL Ventures, a early stage venture capital firm. I'm also a fellow at the SANS Institute, where we provide cybersecurity training of, of all kinds. Uh, you know, before that, I was the CISO at the SANS Institute and had security leadership roles at various other organizations, helping to build security teams and security programs, usually at large enterprises. You know, if we go Way back, I started my career as a developer, as an engineer, over 20 years ago, building applications and systems. And the re way I got into security is, well, I wrote a bunch of code that unknowingly back then had a number of security issues in it. And of course, I had to figure out how to fix those. And uh, you know, somehow I became the, the, the guy that had to deal with any security issues and incidents that would arise. And it naturally led me to, well, working full-time in security, doing various things, pen testing, assessments, code reviews, and so on, and eventually building out various uh, teams across uh, different organizations, across the security program. And so, yeah, that's uh, led me to spending, yeah, I guess I would say the vast majority of my career on the, the buy side of the table, buying and deploying various security capabilities, which is why now, you know, I work in a venture, you know, trying to give some advice to startups on how to sell to various enterprises and CISOs. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really cool journey. And obviously you spent eight years at the Sands Institute um, and then obviously stepped into this role with Wild Ventures um, pretty recently, well, over the past year and a half. So it sounds like a really, really cool journey. And the, even the transition into security, uh, I always like to figure out how did you actually get into security and that you basically learned from your, from your own code. So that's uh, that's awesome stuff. And you're actually the second guest from Wild Ventures, which is the first for the Hubscale podcast. But tell me a little bit more about Wild Ventures. Yeah, so Wild Ventures, you know, I know you spoke to Michael Cortez, our partner earlier, and uh, at Wild, we really focus on, of course, well, cybersecurity, but we only focus on doing the earliest stage, the seed stage investments, and we only invest in, well, founders from Israel. So it's very, very interesting, right? It's kind of a niche of a niche of a niche, cybersecurity, seed stage, and Israeli founders. And uh, re the reason we focus on that is because, well, over the time that the firm has been around, well before my time. Um, you know, it's been a, a, a good strategy, actually, in terms of hey, taking that pipeline of very high quality cybersecurity talent that's coming out of Israel and trying to give them access to the U.S. market, which is what we're focused on here in the U.S. in terms of kind of that go to market support for those Israeli entrepreneurs. Yeah, no, it's super cool. I remember having Michael on the podcast, diving right into the details about some of the some of the stuff and some of your portfolio, which is absolutely awesome. But the question I want to ask you, Frank, is what's your role as a CISO in residence and how does that kind of help the, the portfolio companies? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, overall, you know, we try to do a lot of value add support, whether it be in finance in marketing in HR and so on. And of course, these are all cybersecurity startups. And as a result, we try to give them as much support in security as well. Now, that's not building their security capabilities. They're experts in that. But it's about what features and functionality is going to be useful. How do you get inside the, the mind of a CISO? What works in terms of kind of building that relationship with your potential uh, customer and their various teams? So for me, as the CISO in residence, I really focus on three things is number one, Kind of staying in touch on a regular basis and supporting our existing portfolio companies, our existing founders, 
And that could range depending on uh, the level of support that they need at that particular stage, at that particular phase. Some of the very earliest companies is really around brainstorming, ideation, product market fit. And as they get a little bit further, it might be around some, well, refinement of the messaging, some uh, nailing those killer use cases, and of course, supporting them in their interactions with those various CISOs. So that's the first thing. The second big bucket that I focus on is, well, supporting and staying in touch with the founding teams that we may not have an investment in. And actually, to be honest, that we might not invest in uh, at all. You know, part of the founding ethos of YL Ventures is really to just support the cybersecurity and the Israeli startup ecosystem. And that's also brainstorming with those potential founders and um, you know, seeing if, you know, hey, it would be a, it would be a fit for them to uh, want to have YL Ventures as a partner. And then, of course, uh, the third thing here in terms of, well, number one was supporting our existing portfolio companies. Number two was uh, supporting our potential, right, founding teams that we may or may not invest in. And uh, number three is really just kind of trying to, to be honest, uh, stay in touch with various CISOs, you know, having worked for over a couple decades, you know, I've got a lot of friends and colleagues in the industry. And as a result, it's really just staying in touch and understanding, well, what are the problems that they're currently having as well? Yeah, no, for sure. And I, that, that could obviously, all of them buckets together will support that first bucket as well, won't it? About really helping your portfolio companies and understanding it's not just that your companies and that's it, you're building an ecosystem wherever that, that may take you as well. But that's pretty cool. And I guess, um, I guess for anybody listening, I have a lot of CEOs and founders on this podcast who go through that really early stage. Uh, which is always the difficult part to figure out that part. But what do you look for when when spending time with early stage vendors and, and obviously the entrepreneurs coming out of Israel? You know, I would say it's probably uh, three different things. You know, the first and most important, which is really kind of permeates everything that we do at the firm, is, is all about the team. You know, you've probably heard there's that horse and jockey type of analogy where, you know, you've got the, the jockey, the CEO, the founding team, and uh, we spend a lot of time kind of trying to understand where they're coming from, what their background is, their experience, their motivation to solve this particular problem. You know, what makes that particular team so well suited to solve this particular cybersecurity uh, issue? And, you know, cybersecurity itself is already a niche. So we're talking kind of a niche within a niche here as well in terms of the specific security problem and challenge that they're trying to address. So definitely, you know, the team, the biggest factor is the, the team there. But number two is, well, what's the idea? is the space actually big enough for a, a very large uh, cybersecurity company? And we're always thinking about that. And, you know, we got the big brush strokes, of course, you know, hey, is there something in identity or endpoint or network or cloud and so on? But within there, you know, as in the recent years, we've had an explosion of cybersecurity startups across the industry. You know, we spend a lot of time thinking about, well, hey, where is their overlap? Where is their potential conflict within uh, not only our existing portfolio, but what else is out there in the landscape and the industry overall? So a lot of time on the team, a lot of time spent on the idea. But I would say another aspect of it is uh, is timing. Um, you know, if you cloud security has technically been around for a long time, oh, AWS, for example, oh, I can't remember now, released their first service some 15 years ago or so. But if we tried to start a cloud security startup back then, well, it wouldn't have been very successful. You know, it took a while for the industry to mature. And now you've got the, the plethora of cloud security related companies. One area we're kind of keeping an eye on, of course, is AI, artificial intelligence, the, the hot topic of the day. You know, we've talked to a lot of potential teams and, you know, really it's kind of 
thinking about, well, hey, what's the, the right fit for that founding team? What's their AI background? But also kind of what is that idea? What's the niche in AI that they're specifically going after? So, you know, we're still we're still looking into that. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I know you're. Um, I know you're obviously uh, an investor and uh, an advisor for a lot of uh, vendors as well, and uh, obviously helping them with that journey. But just explain to me a little bit about what you see um, from the best entrepreneurs that come out. What what's kind of the traits that you see with people? Yeah, you know the uh, hey Elliot. Unfortunately, you know this might maybe be a little bit of a little bit of cliche, but you know, kind of in all of my interactions with them, you know, there's kind of even simple things, simple indicators of. You know, how uh, quote unquote aggressive are they in following up? Do they schedule that next meeting? Do they ask those deeper probing questions? So it's kind of, you know, that kind of grit, that stick to that kind of, um, you know, hey, figuring out what else that they can do, kind of a little bit of that sense of urgency, I would say. And I don't mean, you know, you don't have to be a jerk, right, for these things to manifest, but it's even something as simple as, hey, you know, you've got a meeting with the CISO and it's a great meeting and the CISO seems to really resonate with the idea and the space. But then it's making sure that there's some follow-up. Okay, well, what's the next step? Who else on your team could I talk to? And you know what? Even if it wasn't a great meeting, even if it didn't sound all that uh, like a great fit, part of it is, well, you know, is there somebody else on the team? You know, we as an early stage startup would really just love to learn more. Is there somebody else on the team that we can talk to to get their feedback on this as well? So, of course, yeah, I mean, by by definition, you know, all of these founders are, are great uh, technologists, experts in, in their field. But yeah, part of it is those some of those soft things that, that come with time and come with experience. Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good advice. And that's actually kind of leads into the next part. Like, what advice would you give to startups, um, especially looking to that really early stage before seed? Um, what advice would you give to people looking to go out there and, and, and kind of capture somebody like Wild Ventures? Yeah, you know, it could be a little bit overwhelming. You know, let's, you know, if somebody is a, a first time founder, a first time founding team, and the biggest bit of advice I would say is, you know, go out and talk to as many CISOs and security leaders and practitioners as possible and kind of get their feedback on the idea that you're actually thinking about. Now, the hard part, the overwhelming part is, yeah, how do you kind of figure out what the signal is compared to the, to the noise? You're going to hear a ton of different things. And that, that's the magic in terms of kind of as a, a startup founder, as a CEO, is being able to decipher being able to discern, well, what that signal, all of those conversations are telling you, and a little bit of, okay, well, this is what they need today, but then what might they need tomorrow, next week, next year, and so on. So, you know, those are all things that I would really suggest, yeah, spending a lot of time on in terms of that initial, very pre, pre-investment phase yeah. is what resonates with your, what resonates with the target customer. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. That's uh, that's really, really good advice. And one of the, um, I was reading a lot of your articles in preparation for the podcast. Um, And one of them on there, you talk about security should be business friendly. And so just explain what that means to everybody. Yeah, you know, hey, I'm I'm guilty of this myself, to be honest, you know, back in the early days, you know, I always thought, hey, we, the security team, we perhaps knew best, if you will. And, you know, there's that cliche of security is commonly seen as the department, the team of no you know, anybody else comes and asks to use a new app, a new service, you do something else. And by default, we say no. And well, why? Why do we say no? Well, because, well, we think we know best. And that is the exact opposite of what we should be doing from a business enablement, from a business partnership perspective. When we, when we in security, we choose a solution, a capability to roll out and we deploy it. How many options have we given the business, our, our partners in the organization? Well, we've effectively given them zero choice because we've said, look, we're doing this period and it's this or nothing, right? And nobody likes to be told what to do, went my kids, 
when I say when we're rushing out the door and I'm anxious to get out and I say, come on, put on your shoes and they're resisting. Well, you know, it makes it a little bit easier, the conversation a little bit easier when I say, well, do you want to put on your blue shoes or your red shoes? And it's that type of choice that we as CISOs need to give our organizations as well. It's like, hey, do you want access to the network or nothing? Well, you, you know, we want you to update your device and have these controls on it. But if you don't, well, we could give you access to the guest network. Now, hey, we know that's not really anything from a work perspective, but at least it's something as a basic example. So it's really us as CISOs evolving beyond just IT security, but to be that modern CISO, if you will, to think about, well, what are the business goals, the strategic objectives of the organization, and making sure that we can map what we do day to day from a security perspective to those higher level strategic objectives. Yeah, no, no, it's, I think it's really cool. And I love the examples with the, with your kids there about the shoes. I think that <laughs> that hits home pretty well. Um, but I guess um, this is, a lot of CISOs listen to this. I had I previously had on the uh, the co-founder and CEO of Surf Security. He was previously a CISO before. Um, so a lot of people in that world uh, want to get into kind of what you do, you do, Frank, in terms of advising for companies and, and everything along those lines, because that's a sweet spot what, they, what a lot of them want to do. So how would you kind of give advice to somebody stepping or wanting to step from a CISO role into maybe an entrepreneur route or kind of the advisor route that, which you have? Yeah, really good question. You know, I do hear that similar question a lot as well. And, uh, you know, from a personal perspective, you know, even before joining YL, I've been uh, advising and angel investing in startups for about the last six years now. And I will say, you know, about 10 years ago around that time, you know, I thought to myself, you know, hey, I mean, I'm very familiar with the very product landscape, very familiar with security. And I thought, hey, it would be nice to get a little bit more involved in the venture world. And I talked to some other folks and they basically said, well, hey, you know, you should go meet some VCs. Well, 10, 12 years ago, to be honest, I didn't know any other VCs. So I started, you know, as we do from a networking perspective, start to try to make some connections and reach out to some folks. And I remember, Elliot, some of those early meetings that I had with various VCs, it was pretty clear from the first two minutes that they didn't want to talk to me, right? Because I was asking some basic introductory questions, right? About the landscape and the environment and so on, right? And, you know, I mean, I got the sense that they were thinking, well, hey, what can, what can this guy actually help me with, right? But that was part of my learning process in terms of understanding the VC world, in terms of kind of portfolio construction and the way that different investments are made and so on. And, uh, you know, I would say, you know, to your question in terms of advice is, hey, there are so many security startups out there is go ahead and connect with some of them. Maybe you resonate with the problem space. You've got to some, develop a relationship with the CEO and help them out. Figure out what challenges that they're having. Sometimes it's just advice. Sometimes it's go to market. Sometimes it's introduction to other friends, other CISOs, other colleagues. And I, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing that introduction to for them to your CISO friend to sign a check. Sure, maybe down the road, eventually, that's what the startup wants. But as long as you frame it in the correct way, whenever I do an introduction, I try to do an introduction to a CISO that I know has that problem or something alike, similar to that problem that the startup is trying to solve. So it's really making that connection based on a value perspective. So, you know, part of breaking in is trying to, well, hey, have some of those conversations with VCs, but also meet various startups, meet various CEOs and just have a discussion, a conversation about, well, what is it that they're actually looking for? And try to think about what can you do to support them going forward? Yeah, no, I love that. I think um, I think you've got to really do the research and really understand things and, and, and go out there to actually support somebody as well. So 
I think that's uh, that's awesome advice. Again, Frank, it's absolutely brilliant. But you touched on something earlier that I want to kind of, kind of deep on. Um, so you talked about AI and machine learning, all the the new things and the, the hot topics of the world. But what do you think about and, and tell me your predictions uh, for the security market? You know, that's very interesting. As we look across even you know, decades of uh, security, you know, we do see some trends going from kind of protective capabilities to um, identification capabilities to detective capabilities and response and so on. One of the key things, especially in this larger macro environment where, hey, if budgets are not necessarily increasing, maybe they're not decreasing, but at least they're flat, which by, you know, in this environment means they're kind of decreasing, right? And I hear this from so many CISOs. I've had luxury in prior years of having increasing budgets, so it made it a little bit easier, right? Whenever revenues increasing, whenever budgets are increasing, it makes it a little bit uh, easier to get things done. So in this environment, I would say that from a trend perspective to your question, well, there's going to be a shift. It's not uh, just detecting stuff, just finding stuff, identifying bad things is not going to be enough anymore. And we know that we can't grow the security team in size right, to be commensurate to the problem that we necessarily have. So from an automation perspective, this is where AI is interesting as well in terms of kind of augmenting the capabilities of your analysts, your engineers, your teams overall. And I think that there's going to be more. You asked, you know, hey, how does security become a business enabler? This is where we got to try to figure out, well, what are the options? How do we get to yes in different ways? How do we get other people in the organization involved from a remediation perspective, from an automated remediation perspective, making security a little bit of everybody's job. Now, of course, from a technical perspective, we see this with the cloud. And now it's not just about security per se, pushing down cloud security requirements, but the DevOps team, the development teams, the engineering teams all have a part to play in that as well. I think for me, a trend going forward is, hey, that's going to move beyond the technical realm and other people, other teams, groups within the organization are going to get more involved in security as well. Yeah, no, I think it's really cool. And there's there's so many cool vendors coming out and and things like that over the, but uh, over the next three, four years, I think we'll see we'll see a lot more kind of growth, especially within the AI space. Um, I asked that question to a lot of the people as I'm, I'm sure you do, Frank, but I know, we're, I know we're kind of running out of time today, but I uh, really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Like I said, the first time somebody from the same company has come on. So really appreciate your time today, Frank. And uh, yeah, look forward to, to watching you grow. Elliot, appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me.